0: All those animals surrounding baby Jesus in the nativity scenes, what were they thinking? How did they get there? The animated film, The Star, addresses that. I recently saw it in theaters. As a biblical scholar, I think what the film does well is emphasize the role of empire in the birth of Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth was born to a Jewish family in occupied territory. The Roman Empire controlled the land in which he was born. They controlled and they oppressed the Jewish people. The animated film The Star has strength in its ability to tell the story of King Herod in Matthew chapter two through the perspective of animals. Matthew chapter two is the only place in which this star is even mentioned. Technically, the magi come from the east, following this star after Jesus is born. In the film, the three wise men arrive in Jerusalem and visit King Herod before the birth of Jesus, and they each have talking camels. Obviously, all of this is clear artistic liberty. I can't blame the filmmakers for that. Even without talking animals, this story is really hard to pull together, and that's because we have disparate accounts, and not all of them agree. Only two of the four Gospels in the New Testament even mention Jesus' birth. Mark says nothing about baby Jesus, and John is really mystical about it, doesn't mention a birth. Luke only has shepherds. Luke has the angel appearing to Mary, but the angel doesn't appear to Mary in Matthew. The angel appears to Joseph in a dream in Matthew. In other words, there's not one continuous story of Jesus' birth. And the Gospels don't nicely piece it together in a kind of dramatic way. We have different accounts, biblically speaking. The nativity scenes and play sets that I give my kids, put up in my house, and see around the Christmas season with animals, they're not biblical. And by that, I mean that there are no animals even mentioned in the biblical story, unless you want to count shepherds with their sheep. But there is an animal feeding trough. That's the only part that we get all this from. And that's only mentioned in Luke. It's fun, I think, for kids to think about how the camels and the donkey and the sheep got there. So giving voice to animals helps children who often feel voiceless or who remain kind of the least in our society to know that they can have a voice too. The star opens with the Annunciation from the angel I liked the way that the film animated angelic visitations. Frightening, uh, beautiful at the same time. Mary responds, thank you. Do I say thank you? And Joseph is even more neurotic than Mary. OK, it is pretty unrealistic at this time that Joseph would do the dishes. but. He eventually accepts Mary's pregnancy. Social stigma isn't really addressed in the film. Mary and Joseph seem to be in love, and love is not really a factor in marriages at this time. They're even portrayed as a sweet, loving couple. The film centers on a young donkey named Bo, and he wants to join the royal caravan because he wants to be a part of something important. And what is more important than empire and its flashes of power? and his friend is a dove named Dave, voiced by Keegan-Michael Key, who is really funny. Uh, I hate to say it, but the other animal characters are a bit thin and less developed. Bo runs away with Dave by his side. Mary and Joseph adopt Bo, and then Bo hears of the plot King Herod has to send a hunter with domesticated hunting dogs to, quote, take care of the problem, as Herod puts it. King Herod, governor of Judea, seeks to cut off the source of any potential threat. He has the power to do so. He does so in very gruesome and horrible ways in Matthew chapter 2 that, of course, the film has to gloss over, but the film does emphasize an element of danger. Bo chooses Mary over joining the caravan. He and other animals, as a result, end up witnessing the kind of power that they don't expect the kind of power in the birth of a baby, unexpected, subversive kind, devoid of pomp and circumstance, the kind that's so important in the biblical story, the birth of a baby in occupied territory. Speaking of subversiveness, I thought it was neat. In the film, when Herod describes the census initiated by Caesar requiring Mary and Joseph to travel to Bethlehem as counting the sheep, and then in the end of the film, it's the sheep who are the ones who create a strong force to help save Mary. So the seemingly powerless of the society has importance after all, and even the animals are a part of it, and the film captures that. The director of the star, Timothy Reckert, who happens to be Roman Catholic, pointed out something cool in an interview, I thought. He mentioned Pope Francis's encyclical, Laudato Si, or On Care for Our Common Home. In that, Pope Francis talks about the reality of climate change and how we humans have harmed the planet. Timothy Reckert notes how the star helps to rethink our relationship with animals through the retelling of a famous story and connectivity with all creation. I thought that was a neat perspective to take as a Roman Catholic on the filmmaking team. But the film was written by Carlos Kotkin, a comedy screenwriter who was born in Mexico City and he now lives in L.A. He's funny, as evident in the Rio 2 film and open season. There are some elements in the film that I wish he could take his kind of funny nature and really tell with the same kind of levity. I mean, dogs at this time were not domesticated, and yet in the film they're the bad guys being led around on collars and leashes. And camels are not ever allowed to enter the palace, but they do in the film. If the film can do that, they could perhaps expand on other elements. What really stuck out for me is that Mary and Joseph are completely devoid of their Jewish community in the film. They live by themselves after their marriage feast. Now, there's just no way that this was how the family structure was done at the time. It's how our family structure is, and I think the film reflects that. And when Mary and Joseph walk from Nazareth to Bethlehem, they do so alone, rather than in a traditional caravan structure. I wish they would have emphasized more community life of Jewish first century Palestine because I think that would have added to their point of the humbleness of the circumstances of Jesus's birth in the face of the empire. And I want to point out here too, that it doesn't exactly say that Mary gave birth to Jesus in a stable in Luke 2. I'm sorry, it doesn't. It says that Mary laid the baby in a manger because there was no place for them in any guest quarters. I've traveled to see the cave in Bethlehem where Palestinians mark the traditional birthplace of Jesus. What I learned is that houses are hewn into rocky cliff sides in those days and animals didn't stay in separate quarters. They stayed at the edge of that cave opening at the edge of the house to stay warm Then there were no resources to create separate living quarters for animals. So it's possible that Luke is leaving Mary and Joseph some shelter but not in the inn, which can also be translated as guest chambers. This goes back to the question of empire. Bethlehem was a forgotten village in Judea and no Roman roads went through there. So they were probably staying with relatives in a very packed dwelling due to the census. But what I wanted to point out is that Mary and Joseph wouldn't have been forgotten. It is assumed in the star that Mary and Joseph enter a stable alone after being turned away from countless places, and Mary gives birth there alone, I guess with animals. It made me think about women's roles in ancient Palestine, because midwives would have been called to attend to Mary. Mary probably would have had a mother-in-law or aunts or cousins around. Women took care of one another in the ancient world, especially when birthing happened. I don't have any doubt about that. And the film denies this human community for Mary and Joseph. Perhaps that's intentional, because Less humans around means more focus on the animals banding together to help marry. It's the animals who talk to each other and despite differences come together to help. There is even a line toward the end of the film, The flock is growing. This is because Bo gives the bad dogs a second chance. See, animals show more humbleness and gratitude and awareness than humans do. They are the ones who see the star and sense its importance. They are the ones who can talk to each other when humans can't understand. They are the ones who overcome their differences to reach its potential. So ultimately, I hope children learn more about how to be human by what the animals do in the star. Now, if I was in the religious studies classroom, I'd give the film a C plus for its ability to capture biblical themes and elements. But it's an animated film about animals, and we're not in a religious studies classroom. And I have two kids. I'd watch the movie with them. I'm Dr. Katherine Lowe. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Women and Worldviews.